Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Man, you're there. Praise the Lord. It's awesome to be together today. Is Angie in here? Come on up. I'm not checking my emails, really. I'm just trying to get a clock here so I can... uh, Or maybe, Dave, you just wave me and say, cut. (laughs) Okay. Go for it. All right, I'm the update lady. So... Um, we're excited to be here. We were um, talking on the way here, and Pete's going to love this because I'm going to talk about my kids for a few minutes. But it's been four years since Pete has been back. So Pete is actually here, in case you were curious. So <laughs> The other boys have been back, but Pete, this is his first time back, so we're excited about that. But um, it's been um, four years. We moved away last or in June. Last month would have been four years, and so it's been amazing what God has been doing and um, it kind of was slow, and there's still slow times at, at times, but um, God is doing great things down in Mississippi, and um, we're excited that you are our home church and you partner with us because that gives us energy to function down there and, and is our life thread when we see updates and fun things like that on Facebook that always makes us feel like we're still a little bit at home. Um, mm-hmm. The boys, I'll give you a quick update, even though I know that they're, um, you know, will be embarrassed by this, but Blake uh, just graduated <clears throat> with his master's at William Carey, and um, yeah, that's something to be proud about, and he um, actually got hired on at the university to be their track and field coach, and so he has done an amazing job this first year pioneering that. Um, Grant just finished his freshman year at USM, and um, he is returning uh, sophomore year uh, next month, which is going to be awesome. And Pete will be a junior in high school. So we've got growing guys now, all adults. So um, we just got done um, this summer having Crosspoint down here, which was awesome. Yes, that was awesome. Which was awesome. Okay. Thought they were asleep. Um, It was so great. God did great things during one, and we are so grateful Mm -hmm. that this church came. And um, I think what is so cool about it is that Um, God moved in this youth group while we were um, all together at one. And um, one of my favorite statistics, we did um, Bible school. And I know you guys have heard these stories, but we did Bible school and um, we had services together. But my favorite thing that happened out of the whole entire week um, besides unity was that God um, saved five, five kids, asked Jesus into their heart, that were on the missions trip. And so it was so cool to me because it goes to show you that you can go to church and you can do all the right things and until you know him in your heart Mm -hmm. that you don't have him. And so it was so awesome. Friday was like a throwdown. It was so great. And so it was, it's exciting. And to, to me, even though like the numbers that we were hoping to have were smaller, like God had all the right people there because if it would have been maybe larger, maybe those people wouldn't have had that intimate time to come to know Jesus. And so it was a win, huge win. Um, I forgot my notes, so I think that's all I know. You want to finish? Yeah. Okay, good. great. Hey, it's, I tell you, it's been really exciting seeing God work at, with Relevant Ministry, and, and, and uh, one was a great uh, tool. And every time that you guys have come down, we've seen just new relationships being built with churches along the coast. And, uh, and we had several churches come together. We had two main churches uh, that was Cross Point, and then the church we're attending is Gulf Coast Worship Center. 
And, uh, and these two youth groups came together. There were some uh, sporadic students from other churches in there. But churches that weren't even involved in the, the, uh, the week were... They, one of the churches was Calvary Chapel um, over in Bay St. Louis. And they sent 30 volunteers over for the week. Uh, to serve. They cooked meals. They donated the food. They came in and, and uh, did some barbecuing. And and uh, sounds like all the food in Mississippi, right? And uh, But they just served and served. And we had 15 volunteers from our, our local body and then a lot of uh, volunteers from other churches. And the whole goal is to be one, to bring churches together along the coast to reach um, uh, lost people. And, and it was beautiful looking back as we are debriefing our, our week together, just going, look what God did. In spite of what we thought was going to happen, God had a bigger plan and a different plan than we would have seen it. Um, so we're really excited. And thank you for partnering with us, um, especially you guys coming down to be with us. It was an incredible week. And uh, we're just so excited about the fruit that's going to be um, uh, come out of that time. Something I want to share with you too real quick is um, we've tried to keep you in touch about the RM Center or the RM Camp, you know. And uh, we finally signed papers on the RM Center uh, a couple months ago, I believe it was. And, uh, and uh, we were able to put down, I think, $65,000 that was raised from last year's campaign uh, that uh, I think 85 or I can't remember how much came in, but I think sixty-five, seventy-five. we put down. And then um, for this fall, we're going to be doing a September-October campaign, and it's, it's called Planting a Seed uh, for the Harvest. And uh, we're going to be doing a two-month campaign to raise um, the $45,000 left to pay off the, the uh, RM Center, and we're so excited about that. And then we're raising a little bit more so that we're able to, um, there's, there's a lot of things that need done on the campsite. And just to get it up to date and using, um, God is really opening the doors for us with the RM Center. We're having a church from New Orleans come in. We've been working with them for this past year. It's called the Griffina Church. And there are people that were originally from Africa that when they were coming over on ships, that the ship crashed, they swam ashore uh, at Honduras. And, uh, and they're, uh, uh, they were considered second-class citizens in Honduras. But there's a huge population of them in New Orleans. There's a huge population in Florida and New York. And, uh, and we've been working with the, the church in um, New Orleans and doing leadership training and development. And we're hosting our first retreat with them August uh, 3rd, I think it is. Uh, we're going to host a three-day um, leadership conference or leadership retreat. Um, and they're, they're having like 30 people come over uh, to do, be part of this um, leadership development time. We're doing team building and just going to be a great time. And um, we're excited. Will you pray for us on that? Uh, this is some new doors opening for us. And we really want people have come to the RM Center and said, this is so peaceful. How can we be part of this? And we've just seen so many incredible testimonies. And uh, over this week, uh, hopefully you'll be able to read those testimonies at the golf outing. Uh, also at tonight um, at the volunteer, I mean the appreciation, uh, partnership appreciation over in uh, Bloomington. So come and be part of that, and it's a really exciting time. Um, so that's it on our update. Dave, you want to share for a minute? I just wanted to um, uh, pray for these guys and encourage you. After the service, we are going to uh, take a love offering. 
Uh, the baskets are going to be back in front of the soundboard. I would encourage you, um, this is not giving to the campsite. This is not giving to uh, Relevant. This is giving to Jeff and Angie, uh, giving to their family just to bless them and encourage them as they, as they serve and as they um, ultimately go and make disciples in Mississippi. And they, mm-hmm. they, they train, train people, equip people to, to be sent out. Uh, I know our daughter and other students have experienced that. And uh, so I'd encourage you to uh, give abundantly and just give generously to them to, uh, to communicate our love to them, all right? So let me, I want to pray for these guys, and then uh, I'm going to get off the stage, and uh, we're going to hear from the Word. Amen. Uh, Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your great love for us, Lord. I thank you for Jeff and Angie and the boys. I thank you for the call that you have, have on their lives for many years now to serve you faithfully, to, uh, to go and make disciples, to love you with everything that they have. I thank you for their testimony, for the way of life that it matches up with everything uh, from, from what they teach to what they live. And I pray that you would provide abundantly for them as a family. You would provide for this campsite, that you would eliminate that debt, and that this year it would be uh, finished, Lord. I pray for uh, fruit to continue to be uh, happening through, in and through their ministry for this relationship with the church in uh, New Orleans, Lord. And uh, ultimately that you would be glorified, that you would be elevated in that, uh, in that state and in this nation as a result of this ministry. Uh, we love you and thank you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, may we hear from your word today. May we have open and humble hearts. In your name, amen. 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 Thank you, church. I've got to tell you that this is, this is incredible to be back together today uh, with our Crosspoint family. And uh, I have to tell you that there have been so many Sundays that we sat in church literally and, uh, and I've cried because I've, I've longed to be together with, with you guys as, as our family. And uh, I, I think about the, the word that's taught here and discipleship and, uh, and the worship together and, and just the community uh, of building together. And uh, so I hope you know that this morning this is a, a true, true treat for our family to be all together with the Crosspoint family. And thanks for having us in today. This morning, we're going to be looking at Psalms 32 together. So if you have your Bibles, open them. I listened to several of the messages on Psalms um, that's been been going on here this summer. Have you enjoyed these? It's just a whole different perspective, isn't it? And it's wonderful. And and I've heard it say every time that uh, uh, there's Bibles in the back, right? Right? So if somebody needs one, raise their hand and we'll get you one. I want you to open the Word. I'm going to have some of it up on the screen today, but I want to read it together because the Word is alive. It's living, isn't it? And it changes our life. And I want to encourage you uh, to dig in this morning. And I also want to say this, that as I, as I was preparing this message, as I was going through it, God gave me some specific words for you today. I, I was, as I was writing, I, there was times that I just began crying and and basking in the direct word that God was saying it in his words to the church and I was blown away and this morning I want you to know that man I'm not coming and saying things that uh, about anything that I I know I don't know anything okay except for her I love you guys and we're excited to be here but God has some some specific things in the message today that he wants to point out and that he wants to say to you in in his first person this morning so as we look at Psalms 32 together this psalm was written to give us instruction the title of this psalm is a psalm of David a mascal 
And maskil is a Hebrew word that means to give life-giving instruction and deep understanding. It's a word that's related in the Hebrew to having or gaining godly wisdom. So I'd like to just spend a a few minutes and just let's read uh, verses 1 through 6 together. And uh, will you read out loud with me the word? Eric began it earlier. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them, or in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. I love how this psalm opens up that blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them. You know what that means to be blessed? That you are free, right? There's no condemnation. You are free. And and, uh, and, and, uh, you have the favor of God upon your life. You are blessed because your sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit is instructing us through the writer of, of King David saying this, You who are holding on and carrying around the guilt from your past, you are hiding and carrying the burdens of your sins and transgressions, and it's getting the best of you. You're wasting away. You're wasting the life that God meant for you. So stop trying to do this on your own. Just stop it and cry out to the Lord for help, for His forgiveness. Find His grace. Find His forgiveness. And you'll be blessed if you do that. You know, this psalm, we see this in Psalms 32, but in Psalms 51, David writes about his sin. Remember when he was caught in sin? And he, he confessed his sin after he was caught. But he said this in Psalms 51, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. And against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And surely you deserve, desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, that I may be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean and a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing and spirit, and sustain me. And then it says this in verse 13. And then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. You know, we think about this in chronological order. But here David's writing, God, if you'll cleanse me, if you'll forgive me, if you'll change me, I'll be new. 
And I'll teach others this mascal, this life-giving instruction that you've changed my life. And here David writes this, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord doesn't count against them. And look at the results of confessing our sins, acknowledging our sin and confessing our wrongdoings. It says in, in, the, in 32, Psalm 32, 6, Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You, God, will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of what? Deliverance. Will you say that with me? Songs of deliverance. See, God promises us that when we acknowledge our sin, when we confess our wrongdoings, He will be our protector. He'll be our protector, and He alone will be and is our deliverer. Didn't that bring you comfort this morning? Didn't that get you excited inside? See, every time I read this psalm, it reminds me of how blessed I really am by the gift that God has given me in my life. I am completely forgiven through Jesus Christ. You, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you are completely forgiven through Jesus Christ. And we are free from the guilt of sin. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by our flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but we live according to the Spirit." See, if you have believed in Jesus Christ and received Him in your life as your Lord and Savior, your past is the past. Amen? Your past is the past. It is completely forgiven. It is completely forgotten, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you have been set free. Free to live, not according to our flesh, not according to what we think and what we feel, and what we want, but it's a life filled and led by the Spirit of God. To live according to the flesh means to live a worldly life. Do you know people that live a worldly life? But it's to live a worldly life, to live a life dominated by the dictates and desires of our own human nature. But God has called us as believers to live life by the Spirit directed and empowered by God's word, God's ways, His character, character, and His love. I love what it says in Romans 8. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. That's where their mind is. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Letting, so let, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and, and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. 
2 Corinthians 5, 15, it says this, He died for everyone so that those who received His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. See, living a Spirit-filled life is a choice that you and I have to make. Will I live and serve myself, serve me and my lifestyle, my wants, my desires, my hopes, my dreams for my life? Or will I choose to be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life and filled with the Spirit of God and allow Him to guide and direct my everyday life in a way that God can use me to build God-honoring relationships He can use me to respond to those that have a need and what God is doing in those everyday moments of life. And God can use me to reveal His glory to a lost world. I loved on our first night of one, it was Sunday night, and we, we, I brought a mirror in and I asked people that if they wanted to come up and look in the mirror, how are you a reflection of Christ? I thought that was powerful. It was hard to look at yourself in the mirror. But to look in there and say, am I a reflection of Christ? Does my, my, does my life reflect his character? What he stands for, what he believes in, what he teaches us? Or am I living my own life for what I want? Am I a reflection of Christ? The world and the people in your life that you see every day, that you live with, that you meet with, that you do business with, that you have recreation time with and do hobbies with, more than ever, they need to see that God is alive in you and He's working in your life and that it's not something that you did years ago in the past or it's not some Sunday tradition or or it's just not words that you just kind of talk about once in a while and you're not living out. They need to see that that your life is different, that what, what Jesus did on the cross for you has made a difference in your life and you are in the process of being transformed to become more like God's Son, Jesus Christ, to be more of His image. And God is saying in this that He is asking us to live a life, to make a choice to live a life um, that reflects Him in our life, to live a Spirit-filled life. And it's a choice that you and I have to make I'll never forget the first time, and I'm not saying that there's more times that you need to do this, okay? But I'm saying the first time that I ever met Christ. I was in third grade. My dad was a pastor, but he wasn't living the life at all. He was very unfaithful to our family, to my mom, and to the ministry in every way. But for some reason, on this this nighttime revival, that I was clinging to this chair in front of me, and I knew it was my time that God had, was wanting to do something in my life. And I couldn't help but run f- forward. Remember in the, the, the days there was the wooden altar up front and the pews? If, if you went to church and grew up in the church, you might have seen that. Maybe you only know these chairs and you are blessed, let me tell you. Because they don't smell and they're not hard, you know. And, uh, but there was these, these wooden altars, and I just ran up, and I, I think it was even over here on this side, and I just kneeled down as a third grader, and I really didn't understand it all. I knew that I needed Christ, though. And I'll never forget getting up from the altar and just feeling different, you know, as much as a third grader could feel. 
And, uh, and I remember people walking out and saying, congratulations, you know, that uh, you went to the altar. And I'm like, man, I feel so good. God, thank you. And I, I don't know anything else. And from that point on, I didn't have, for the next several years till eighth grade, I had nobody to disciple me or told me anything different about what I did at that night at the altar. Because my dad wasn't in our lives. He was gone. He, he worked in a whole other community or another town and stayed there most of the time, except for on Saturday nights and Sundays. And, and so I didn't have that discipleship in my life. And in between uh, third grade and eighth grade, I moved six times, and my parents were separated twice during that time. And I want to tell you, I strayed. I didn't know what I did anyway, except for I knew that God had... I had asked Jesus into my heart, and that's all I knew. And in eighth grade, God began to reveal more to me through a youth pastor that, that what it really meant to live for Christ. And uh, in eighth grade at a retreat, I had, I had really been in the, uh, a bad place in my life. And in eighth grade, um, that I was challenged in Christ, and, and I gave my life more to Christ I, I believe I had him in my heart, but I, I knew nothing about what was next, those next steps. And, and uh, in eighth grade, that I surrendered more of my life to him. I said, God, I don't get it, but I want you because I'm not happy and I need you more. And in eighth grade, I began to dig into the word and, and really just try to discover who God is. And it was an incredible time. And after that, you know, I, had a, I, I did my best of the tradition that I knew to live out Christ. I thought I was solid, but I want to tell you, I'm going to fast forward here to college. And I tell you what, I, got, I went to college one year and I couldn't afford to go back, so I got a job in a factory. Anybody ever worked in a factory before? It's some rough stuff sometimes. You know, the coarse joking, the lifestyles that are there. And I, and, uh, I got caught up in, in a bad lifestyle, a bad with, with a bunch of uh, workers there just trying to fit in. And I want to tell you that I came to this place that I was so stubborn in my life. You ever, anybody here ever say that, you know, that you're stubborn-hearted sometimes? You have to learn things the hard way? Well, that's been my whole life, you know? And there was a point in my life that I even bragged about that, that, you know, I, I went to the school of hard knocks, you know? And, uh, you know, I've always had to learn things the hard way, and it, it's true. I've just... In my life, I was stubborn-hearted as a teenager, and I was stubborn-hearted in college. I thought I had it together in Christ, and I didn't. I was living in tradition. And I want to tell you, I got to this place where I backed myself in a corner, and I was, I was literally felt hopeless. I felt like the prodigal son in the pig pen going, what am I doing in this pit? I've known God. I've known Christ, and here I've, I've turned my back. I've even asked God to leave me alone because I wanted to do it my way. And in the pig pen of my own life, that God revealed himself. And on the way home one night, in the middle of the night, that I heard this song on the radio. It was about the prodigal son. It was called When God Ran. And I couldn't help but, but feel the presence of God and just speaking to me and saying, Jeff, I love you. I've never left you or forsaken you. I've always been there for you. And I pulled over to the side of the road on the highway, and I just started weeping. And I asked God for his forgiveness. And I went home to my apartment. I roomed with two other guys, and one was a believer and one wasn't. But the guy that was my roommate, 
uh, in my room, I, I went to him. I said, Tim, I need your help tonight. Man, I've blown it my whole life. I need Christ. And would you listen to me and would you help me find him? And I, I confessed my sins. I just, I just laid it all out. And he prayed with me, and, and, and I said this to the Lord. I said, God, if you can ever use me, if you can ever love me, if you're still there, here I am. I give you all of my life. And whatever, whatever you want from me, my answer is yes, because I trust in you. I need you. And you know what? I still had t- tough time. I still had to deal with my consequences. But God delivered me. The waters didn't rise over my head. He was my deliverer. He was my safety. He was my hope. From, I was so stubborn hearted. I was like a horse. that we, we bought a pony one time and it was so stubborn. Blake tried to ride it and it tried to run him under a short tree to knock him off, you know. And, and we would try to take that thing to, to the pasture and give it oats and water and exercise it. And you were just constantly pulling on the reins and it had that bit, you know. And you just kept on pulling and you tried to ride it and you're kicking it and nothing. You're trying to steer it, you know. And I think the steering wheel was broke on it. But, uh, but it was a, a large pony and it had a bad attitude. And it reminds me of Psalms 32, 8 through 10. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you, that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That's God's word. That's the Holy Spirit writing through David about how he wants to instruct and teach us. And he says this, do not be like the horse or the mule which has no understanding but must be controlled by a bit or a bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in Him. Isn't that powerful? That God is wanting us to trust in Him and not be stubborn-hearted mules or stubborn-hearted horses in our life. But He's calling us to live by the Spirit, to listen to His instructions. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And here, I want you to hear this this morning, that God is saying to us that don't be stubborn hearted. Don't be like the horse or the mule that is, has to be controlled and pulled along by a bit or a bridle, but trust in me. God's saying, you are my children. You are my people. So let me gently lead you. And not only am I near you, but I am with you always. I, because I am in you. So learn to listen to my voice for my life-giving instruction, for the deep understanding and, and intentional direction. Let me teach you. Let me lead you and guide you with my loving hand. Learn to trust me, says the Lord. My unfailing love surrounds those who trust in me. Isn't that powerful? I want to tell you, when, when I was writing that, God say it, said, say it as I say it this morning. 
Because God has a word today for somebody. I don't want this to fall on empty ears. I need to hear it. Because sometimes I'm stubborn. And I still need instructed. But I don't want to be where I close my ears off and try to do it my way and see how it works out. And then if it doesn't work out, I'll come to God. But can we be led by the Spirit of God as a church? The Bible teaches us so much about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What time do we need to be done? I'm sorry. Okay, good. I'm sorry. The Bible teaches us so much about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, hear this, okay? This is not taught so many times in churches, and I I know it's taught here, okay? But the Bible teaches us that when we become believers, the Holy Spirit indwells and empowers every believer, right? To live a godly life and to serve effectively. And when, when a person is saved, and that means when they believe and receive the gift of God of salvation, forgiveness, redemption, that they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer here today, you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you want to write these down, I don't remember if I put them on the PowerPoint, but Acts 2.38 and 1 Corinthians 6.19 and 20. But it says in 1 Corinthians, Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. See, the Holy Spirit is now in all believers. And you and I are indwelt with the Spirit of God. And believers have all of the Holy Spirit, right? Do you hear me this morning? Believers have all of the Holy Spirit. Amen? But here's the big question this morning. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Does the Holy Spirit have all of me? Have we given Him full reign in our life? I want to just draw this real quick. Wow, that's a big marker. That's big. This is our life. This is our body, our soul, and our spirit. Here's doors in our life, okay? These are closed doors. When we become a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and He fills us, okay? The Spirit of God in us. And the Spirit is, is who we are. It is us, that, who we really are. And then our soul is, is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Okay? And so when we become a believer, the, we have all the fullness of the Spirit. And this is our life made up of the body, soul, and the Spirit. But when we become believers and we have all the Spirit, does, when I say does the, the Spirit have all of us, that means have we opened our soul, our mind, will, and emotions to Him? And as a result, how are we acting out in our bodies? in our actions, in our life. And when we receive the Spirit and we say, Holy Spirit, come in. You are welcome in my life. Not just here because that's what I get when I become a believer in Jesus Christ. But I open this door and I ask you to come and flood this. That this is me living, having the Spirit of God filled with the Spirit. And this is, this is, being, this is indwelt with the Spirit And this is being filled with the Spirit. And this is walking in the Spirit. Can you see that if, if you don't have 
a good spirit in you, a worldly spirit, and your mind and will emotions is going to be caught up in the ways of the world. Everything that you think about is going to be the way the world thinks. My will is going to be my will, my way, what I want. Stubborn-heartedness. My emotions are going to be all over the place. I'm going to get angry all the time. I'm going to be inconsistent in my walk with Christ, you know? And it's going to come out in my actions and in my life. But if we allow the Spirit, we open up every area of our life that we have the Spirit in us and we are filled daily. It's a choice we make and we walk in the Spirit of God. We're going to, even though we're the body, soul, and spirit, our spirit leads everything that we are and that we do. And the question is, you have all the spirit, but does the spirit have all of you? Ephesians 5.18 in the Word says this, be filled with the spirit. And it's written in this present tense, meaning that being filled is something that happens continuously in our life by intentional choices that we make. Every day I choose to open the doors of my life and invite or welcome Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life and to be filled with His presence so I can walk in the fullness of the Spirit. I want to show you just another illustration. And you might, maybe you've seen this before. But here's our lives. And for the believer, here's the throne of our life, that here's self. And when you first become a believer... This is Christ. This is the cross. When we first become a believer, we, we have Christ in our lives, don't we? We have the fullness of Christ in us. But the problem is that Christ doesn't have all of us. We have all of Him. And the decisions we make are random, our attitudes, just like we said on here, our mind, will, and emotions, decisions we make. But God's saying this, will you let me be on the throne of your heart? And that you worship me. That I be Lord. That I be Savior. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you and to will and act according to His goodness. John 14, 12 and 13, Jesus promises us the gift of the Holy Spirit working powerfully in and through our lives as believers so that God may be revealed and glorified. He says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing and he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. But how can God work in and through our lives for his glory as individuals and as his church if we're not willing to surrender to his lordship? If we always want to have it our way and do it our way and have our own agenda and our own will, how can we allow God to do greater things and take us to new places? if we don't surrender to His Lordship, to walk in His Spirit, to listen intently, and to obey Him faithfully. That's what God's calling us. God has great things for us as believers. For you, for you, for you, for you, every one of you. And then for you as a church, God has incredible things. I'm so proud of you guys and what God is doing in your lives. I am so stoked and and pumped up about uh, the leadership here and what God's doing. I love the heart of discipleship that makes disciples making disciple, disciple making, not discipleship, right? I love it. 
I love Dave and Eric's heart. And I know God wants to do great things, but I, I really believe God's saying to step out in the Spirit. Will you trust me? Will you surrender it all to me? And let me do my work in you individually and corporately in your life. Church, you and I must choose daily to step off the throne of our lives and open the door and say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in my life. Lead me as you need me. Rule completely in my life, in the choices I make, in my ministry, my career, my finances, my words, my family, my life that he may lead me and I'm willing to trust and follow him in it all. Psalms 32 closes this way. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. You righteous, sing all you who are upright in heart. Man, if we've surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if we have Christ in our life and he is on the throne of our hearts, we have nothing better to do than rejoice in the Lord because he is Lord of our lives. And you're walking in the Spirit. And God has great things for you. Greater things than you could ask or imagine. And this morning, God wants you to know that He loves you so much. And He wants His very best for you. He wants you to be blessed like David wrote about in Psalms 32. He wants you to experience His blessings. And being free from your past and receiving the grace that God has given us and His forgiveness But God also wants you to experience the joy and the freedom that comes from living a spirit-filled life. And this morning, I just want to encourage you this way. Will you respond to God's word today? I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to ask you to to, to do anything odd or weird or anything else. But I am going to ask you to make a stand this morning. You know, I'll be the first one to stand. You may be here this morning and go, you know what? That completely free from the past guilt. I know I, I know I asked Christ in my heart, but I just need to let that go. I need to forgive myself. I need to receive his forgiveness. And maybe this morning you're just saying, I need that in my life, and I want to just give that to God and receive his forgiveness. There's other of you in here this morning that God is saying, hey, will you surrender? Will you allow me more of your life? I want to sit here. I'm not going to force it, but I love you. And I know what's best for you. And will you open the doors of your heart? Will you open your soul? Will you open your body? And just allow me to come in and have every part, no hidden door, no locks, wide open that I can move and you can walk in the Spirit and hear my voice. If that's you this morning, while Pete's singing, he's singing a song called Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful song. Listen to the words. But will you respond this way? And there's no judgment here. It's a family. But will you stand up and just hold your hands out? Close your eyes. Just, just worship. And let God speak to you. Listen to his, his voice. Let him instruct you. Let him speak life and hope to you this morning.
say, God, I want more of you. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your grace. And Lord, this morning we receive that in Jesus' name, that we are free from the past. Our past is the past. It is covered by your blood. And this morning, God, we just surrender it to you, the God that you have your way in our lives. And Lord, we want to walk and be filled with your spirit. God, give us ears to hear, a heart of flesh. May we walk 
in your spirit every day. It's a choice we make because we, God, it's not a one-time event, but God, that you call us to be filled with the spirit. May it be ongoing. May you come every day and surrender your heart. And Lord, we do, we come and we surrender to you and ask that God, that you fill not only our spirit, but our soul and our body, that we could walk in you and watch you do greater things in us than we could ever ask or imagine. That the plans you have for us, you would fulfill your purpose and what you created us for, God, to bring you glory and honor and praise. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the work that you're doing here. And Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, move in this place. God, do a new work, God. Help them to take steps forward and continue to take steps forward, God, in all that you have for them. Lord, we ask that, God, that you would just pour out your love, pour out your your spirit in this place, and have your way to reach this community, to reach this region, to reach this world for you, God. And we give you the glory. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people, God, because they are your people that you love and that you have redeemed. So God, use them in a way that, that God, you can get glory. Lord, we give you the glory, honor, praise. In your name we pray. Amen. I have uh, a few encouragements for you. You can remain standing. I won't go long. Uh, just a few encouragements for you as, as you leave. Uh, one is continue to be open to whatever the Lord wants to do in your life, uh, not just stopping it here, but this week. Uh, second one is to meet somebody new before you leave. Introduce yourself. The last uh, last couple. One is uh, get to know Relevant Ministry back there. They have a table back there. And if you want to give to the love offering, uh, the baskets are there in front of the soundboard. And you can make out a check to Crosspoint if you had a question about that. All right. God bless. And we'll see you next Sunday.